0: The minimum is now to $15, which actually, if you want to have your own place in Watsonville and Salinas now, you have to make $34 an hour to have your own place. It's sad. It has become... Explain sum- that. Explain that. You got to make 34 You got to make $34 an hour for you to have your own apartment uh-huh. or your small little house if you want to live as a family. Other than that, you're gonna live with six, seven other people to pay the mortgage or the rent. Yeah. So if minimum is $15, you're making less than half of what you need to have your own place. Farm workers have always gotten pay less than what they deserve.
1: Welcome to the Real Organic Podcast. I'm Lindley Dixon, co-director of the Real Organic Project. We're a grassroots, farmer-led movement with an add-on organic food label to distinguish organic crops grown in healthy soils and organic livestock raised on well-managed pasture. You just heard from Javier Zamora, a Real Organic Project certified farmer and farmworkers rights activist from California. Javier will be speaking at our upcoming conference on January 17th at EcoFarm where we hope you'll be joining us either live at Asilomar Conference Grounds in Monterey Bay, California, or through the live streaming option. All ticket holders will receive recordings so you can watch our awesome speakers at your convenience. Now let's listen to the interview with Javier, which took place last summer.
2: So welcome to the Real Organic Podcast, and I'm speaking again with my friend Javier Zamora. Welcome, Javier.
0: Gracias. Gracias for being here and coming to our small, beautiful farm. <laughs> it's very beautiful. I just had the
2: best strawberry I've had in a very long time out of your fields. And we were talking about why is it that I can't buy that strawberry in a supermarket? And at the same time that I can't buy it, some people who
0: are growing such good strawberries are going out of business. It's a little bit crazy. It's kind of crazy and sad, but, unfortunately, that's the way it is. Well, a couple of things I'd like to talk about with you today. Now, one of them is
2: uh, ALBA. So, could you tell people about ALBA? And,
0: sure. and your, your history with it? So, ALBA, it's a non-profit. It's an organization that owns 100 acres in the middle of the Salaball of America in Salinas, California. The land is, it's, it's it's a piece of land that there is absolutely no limit with the amount of water that is there. And you can plant three, even up to four different crops during the season. And you can definitely grow year round. The soils are excellent. Weather conditions are really good. So Alba owns a hundred acres at that specific location. And ALBA, it's a nonprofit that teaches individuals from anywhere, any sorts of, any industries on how to farm organically. But they emphasize their work in farm workers that wanna begin their their business in organic production. And even if you're a PhD, you can still take the course, which I know a few that have done that to learn to farm organically. Once you go through their PEPA program that it's called, uh, you are, if you are good enough and, and, and if you want to begin your own business, and if you get selected out of the 30, 40 that go through the course every year, you can become part of their incubator program that allows you to start your farm with a half acre and stay there for five years and you can get up to five, six acres during that period of time. You have subsidized price of land, you have equipment that you can use at a very, you know, very inexpensive, and you have technical assistance from their personnel. But one of the number one things that I think Alba is, it's a place for you to understand where the resources are and where they come from for you to farm in this community. You have people from the USDA showing up, people from FSA, uh, people from nonprofits like California Farmlink that can lend you a little bit of money. You have uh, university extensionists to come in and teach you their their knowledge. You have certifiers come in. So, and then people in that community that want new farmers to be successful. So that organization and the program was essential for me at the beginning, because I went through the program. So that's how I started getting connected. So
2: so when you say farm workers, this, this program is aimed at, basically at farm workers in Mexico, which, you know, when I come out here from the Northeast and I go, virtually every farm worker I've seen is, you know, of Mexican ancestry. And, you know, the, the people working in the fields, growing the food that feeds America are pretty much brown-skinned people. Without a doubt, yep. 90-some percent. Yeah, amazing. And uh, so th- that's the community that this program is aimed at to take those people, as many as they can, who want to and are ready to do it, and try and transfer them, transition them from being farm employees to being
0: farm owners. That is correct. Yeah. You describe that really well. So I'm one of them. That, You're one of them. That is correct. You and went through the, all the programs. I went through the program and I was a farm worker myself. I'm still a farm worker, but I'm a farm worker that owns a farm and employs 40 some family members. Yes. They have their families and feeds tons of people in the community. So that organization's main goal is to do that. Getting a farm worker that wishes to start their own operation, teaching him or her how to farm organically and provide the resources or a place where you can figure out the resources so you can go ahead and initiate your farm operation and be successful with all these tools, so that's that's me. I, in a yeah. way, I think I become the poster child for that organization because um, I'm I'm a blessed individual that has come to Alba, gone out of Alba, gone on their own, and we are still here farming and and yeah. I think we're doing okay. That's right, and and growing excellent food
2: and also. Uh, helping other people who come to work for you to make that same transition. Absolutely. A necessary transition, a needed transition. And
0: there it is. Otherwise, yeah. we're going to have a lots of issues with our food sources. If yeah. we don't, if we don't make it a little more exciting and help the new farmers that are trying to begin their operations, we have to give them a hand. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say that ALBA is certified with the Real Organic Project. Oh yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> <It's>, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and they have, I don't know, I think over a hundred farms out there now, the people who've gone through the program?
0: Yes, there's, there's 38 farmers right now on the land, about a hundred acres. And there is the alumni that it's out in the area. I'm one of them and there's, there must be, 40, 50 of us out there, um, at different scales, but we're still farming. Yes. And the ones that are not farming, they're working for maybe a larger operation and they have better their way of living and they have, um, created better skills to earn more money. Yes. So even though there's many ways of all about helping the community, if you are not a individual that wants to, you know, start your own farming operation, your own business, at least you can earn and, and get the skills that would uh, take you to a next level for you to do better in life. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent.
2: So, you know, there's so much there, we might not have time to go into all of it today, but but uh, out in California, you can't you can't help but think about scale because California is big agriculture. It's, it's the big agriculture for produce, for vegetables and berries in America. And I drive around here and I just see these huge fields. And, um, and it's also got many smaller farms. So, uh, and the, the smaller farms often struggle to survive, just struggle to find market because of the the increasing consolidation of the of the retail space you told me that that some of the alba farmers have have failed financially could you talk a little bit about that
0: not only the alba farmers uh smaller small farm operations in the area and not necessarily latino-owned they could also you know caucasian and different races that are that have farmed for several years, but on a smaller scale they're finding themselves going out of business because of the uh larger ag uh being a bigger player in the market world where their pricing is it's it's a lot less than what my strawberries would solve for or you know jesus martinez's strawberries or somebody some other farmer so i think the uh there is more organic food in the market that is not coming from small family-owned farms so the competition has gotten a lot worse for the smaller guy that doesn't have the resources. And so sometimes it's understood that if the uh, retailer or the end consumer is struggling and doesn't have the money, they can't necessarily support a smaller farm. When a bigger farm is suffer- suffering the same thing, it might not have the same nutrient density and it, might, it definitely does not taste the same. But that's the only thing that people can afford. So there is many things going on. I think it's the inflation. And, and what I do know is that the fact that more and more bigger farms are converting their land into organic production is making the survival of smaller farms a lot more difficult. Yeah. There's just no question about that if the organic production is increasing, but I don't know what percentage every year, the amount of larger farms producing organic food, it's increasing hundreds of times. I see it all over me. I see it around our areas where there is just so much transitioning, transitioning, if you will, that uh, it's... It's, it's giving us a lots of challenges that we didn't really have 10, 15 years ago.
2: Yeah. You know, this conversation sometimes gets framed as these poor farmers who are being put out of business. But I think it's, I think it's much more profound than that, because I think it's not just about these people. And of course... It's about these people, but it's not just about these people. It's also about all the customers. I, I ate your strawberries, Javier, and they were delicious. And I cannot buy a delicious strawberry in a supermarket in the Northeast. I have not for years. And so it's, it's, it's fine to say, well, people can't afford good food, and there are people for whom that's true. They, they can't. And that, that's not the fault of good food, that's the fault of our economic system. But the truth is whether you can afford good food or not, it's pretty hard to find now. And when I taste your strawberries, I would buy a quart of those every week of the year, I could get it and I can never get it. I can never buy it in a supermarket. And you know, I, if I'm lucky, at a farmer's market, I can get it for about three weeks a year. <laughs> and so I think there's something much bigger than just, you know, times are hard, so people can't afford good food. A lot of people would choose to take whatever disposable income they have and spend it on good food. They can't get
0: it. We're, we're losing something, something really precious here. There's so many answers to that question and those statements that you just made. I can tell you that if I had the logistics and the financials behind me, you can have my strawberries tomorrow, whether you're in Hawaii or New York. But I don't have that. So unfortunately, these changes that I talk about, it's at a local, regional level. That's as far as I can go. I can only drive four hours away to sell my strawberries. But if I could fly him to you, well, if I could fly him to New York every day, I, I would and I could, and you be, you could enjoy my strawberries. Right. In fact, I, I've sent strawberries to, you know, uh, somebody in North Carolina the very next day, but two clamshells was $160. <laughs> That's just, but I mean, I mean, there's people that can pay for that, but yes. I think if, if, If I had the logistics, not only for me, but regionally for the small farmers, I can put them together and send them over and they'll be available to you. Unfortunately, we just don't have the infrastructure and the financials behind us that can allow us to do that. But that will change. We are changing it. And I'm one of those trailblazers that want to make that possible.
2: Yes. I, I talked with Larry Jacobs yesterday, Jacobs Del Cabo, and he told me the story of Del Cabo. And Del Cabo is all small growers down in Mexico. And they saw these people weren't making a living. They could grow the food very well, but they had no market for it. And he said, let's get together. You gotta be organic, which they were close to organic already because it was really before the chemical onslaught hit Mexico. It was just at the beginning of that. He said, before you go into the, you know, take that that red pill, you know, let's Let's try this. Let's try this. And they, you know, the advisors there didn't think it would work, but it did work. And so now you have a thing with a bunch of uh, over a thousand small producers band together to get the food to people who want to buy it. And, and, you know, they have the climate, they have the water. So and that that's going all over the country so there are models for how we might do
0: this a little bit differently i think i i want to be the next larry jacobs because there's a need to do that here something that he saw many years ago in mexico now in america in the salad bowl of the country we have that issue we have those smaller farmers that are organic and they grow beautiful, tasty things. If you had a week, I can take you to 20 of them and you will see, you will experience the same thing that you did when you ate my strawberry with their tomatoes or with their melons a little farther south or their watermelons. But they don't have the Larry Jacobs that can take him to the next level, but if we get together as a community, we can definitely make that happen. It just takes someone, perhaps could be me or somebody else that it's more a little wacko and crazy, if you will, but we're not stupid. We're smart and we know what our community needs and we have the heart to do it. We're here to feed our families and feed the communities, not to become millionaires or be, you know, on the list of wealthiest farmers in the nation or anything like that. We're here to make our communities better, feed our community better, have our farm workers eat the food that they're growing Mm -hmm. for free. They're growing it, they're making it happen. But if they're working for the big boys, they don't have access to that. Yes. Javier, talk about,
2: I, you know, I've met some, some farmers this week, growers, we call them out here, who, uh, you know, they pay people pretty well to work in the fields. And I know not everybody does, but I'm just curious, you want to talk about that? Like for a, a really, a farmer that's doing it differently, how much can they pay somebody who works in the fields? And how much will that person make if, if that, farmer isn't quite so
0: enlightened. So the minimum, it's now to $15, which actually, if you want to have your own place in Watsonville and Salinas now, you have to make $34 an hour to have your own place. It's sad. It has become- Explain that, explain that. You got to make 34. You got to make $34 an hour for you to have your own apartment Uh or your small little house, if you wanna live as a family. Other than that, you're gonna live with six, seven other people to pay the mortgage or the rent. Yeah. So if minimum is $15, you're making less than half of what you need to have your own place. Farm workers have always gotten paid less than what they deserve. In my case, when I started, a minimum was ten years ago, a fifty. I will pay him ten fifty. I always want to pay him two, at least two more dollars than the minimum wage. And now they make between eighteen to twenty-two dollars an hour, which that's as much as I can afford. If I could afford thirty-four or forty, I would. But that means I wouldn't last more than six months in business. Only during the the heavy harvesting. Time, I will be able to pay him that. But if the end consumer knows that we need to get a fair price for our strawberries and our corn and our vegetables, we're able to pay him that. We're able to pay our workers a better wage and an amount that it's very decent. So not too many of us are doing that, unfortunately, around here. I can tell you that. I'm one of the very few. Yes. I can count them that I have during the, like this time of the, of the season that I have people making $1,400, $1,500 paychecks. That's, a, that's incredible. You have kids coming out of college that don't even make that. And what makes them different? if you have, you know, my irrigator, he needs to be highly skilled, not to blow up that. 500 gallons per minute that it's the pump is pumping and if you have my strawberry picker he needs to be highly skilled to make sure that he picks the right ones and put them the right way in the clamshell so you the end consumer say oh my god those are beautiful i'm gonna buy them." those are skills that they have many people think that a farm worker is not skilled that it's just something that you are born and you get thrown and, and that's the only thing for you to do my God, you know, musicians do the same thing, ting, 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 and they get $150,000 per concert, you know? So what, what makes this difference? We So we have to understand that the work that we're doing, it's highly skilled. Therefore, the ones doing it didn't necessarily go to School for six, seven years, college degree, but, but it's, it's, they pay, they've done the work that has taken them to where they're at. So they're worth that and more. So we have to think on how different skills have to be rewarded the same way. Michael
2: Pollan has said that all cheap food is based on yeah. taking advantage of workers and animal abuse. Correcto. You know, and so we need to change the conversation about, I, I hate it when people say, oh, organic is, is for the elites. I go, no, the people who own Driscoll's are the elites. You know, it's not personal. I'm just saying that that the, the truth is the people on the large corporate enterprise are the people who are making a lot of money. Organic farmers that I know, they get by. And we wanna make it that the people who work on those farms get by too. They get a decent wage. But that, that means food's gonna
0: have to cost a little more. Our gas is because policy changes or because the elite making decisions, it's costing more for everybody. So why doesn't the elite or why doesn't the end consumer that can drive the pricing say, Hey, whoever Javier or Hannah or Francois or Maria is producing my food and they're going out of business. We're not paying what the real price is. If you pay the real price, we might as well have the third world war. Ain't gonna happen, but we can have good community individuals and policymakers understand that somehow the smaller farms need to start getting pay a little different than the main capitalism. Fine, larger companies are doing things and and and. So it's just a, it's unfortunate how the system works and helps some and pushes others to go in the hole. When the ones that are going in the hole should be the ones that are actually lifted and, and supported to, 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 to better, to make better communities and, and to have better health within our communities and lift them out of being so disadvantaged. There's always so much talk about disadvantaged communities and the wealthy and, and how it just keeps getting, the gap is just bigger and bigger and bigger. But talking about it doesn't make change. Let's just do something about it. Let's make the change. You have incredible smart individuals with really good hearts. I mean, you invited me a couple days ago to a meeting where you saw a wealth of knowledge and and good-hearted farmers that I deeply admire. That they're not stupid. They're just getting old and they see their dreams that they began with disappearing and not really having a good individual behind them that can take this on for the next generation. The full bellies, the Phil Foster, Tom Bros, Steve Patterson, they're trying to downsize, they're gonna retire. And then what? If none of their kids want to continue on with the legacy of the farm that it's it's admired by a lot of people right now
2: so javier you said 10 years ago even things were different things have changed so it's not just it's not just that there's no next generation it's that well maybe what what we built won't last because because there are changes in the economy and the rules and the regulations, everything. The market is so different now. And it's crazy because organic is booming in the marketplace. It's growing billions of dollars every year. More and more people are turning to it. And I turn around and I look at some of the best organic farmers in the country, I see some of them going out of business. And even ones who are not going out of business, I don't see someone who's going, that's great. I want to take that over because it looks shaky. So what do we, well, you know, there, there's an attempt to, to deal with this on a regulatory level and you're, you are now serving on the National Organic Standards Board. Thank you very much. I could not do that, you know. <laughs> Got my hands full. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. And. I think the reason I, I couldn't is because even if, if you win and you pull off a great recommendation, they ignore it. They have done that for over 10 years now. Even the things that on a regulatory level they're forced to do,
0: they don't do. Do you get discouraged by that? The third meeting that I had, I saw that. And I said, I've been asked by... No one's forcing me, but I've been asked by my community to be part of you. But I see and I feel, and again, this is my third meeting. I feel like this is not gonna go anywhere. And it's not that I'm trying to be pessimistic or or negative about the hard work that is happening because there are some really good smart individuals that wanna do really good for the farming community and and, on the rule making. But I think our political process makes any change very difficult. So that doesn't mean we're not gonna try, but I think at the same time, we can try doing different things. That are more community farmer driven driven that can make a faster change by informing the eater, the one that it's paying, the one that wants to taste those tasty strawberries or the salad, the green salad or the salad greens that are really unique have their questions answered. They are ultimately ultimately, the ones that can make a faster change. The more you educate the end consumer, the better it gets for everyone. As simple as that. Therefore, we might not have to wait for the government to di- dictate the ruling when the ruling can be changed at a local and regional a national level. Yeah. It takes a few to make the change. But those few individuals have to be within tune to make the sound sound likable. Yeah. <laughs> you think Grill
2: Organic Project is a good way to work on that? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Otherwise, I wouldn't be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think this project... It's bringing us closer to where my mentor, Phil Foster, my dear friend, Tom Bros, and Christine and Dale Koch, started. So, where 45 years ago, where it started, and it kind of kept at a good pace and clean and, Nice and desirable and for I don't know how many years, 20, 25. And then it started getting more appealing to the main money maker companies, ma- money making companies. And it started going downhill. I'm not, you don't, you don't have to go far to really realize that you said it a little earlier ago the amount of organic food that is needed and it's been offered, it's billions of dollars. But the original organic growers are going out of business and the ones that follow the same path of using mother nature and using our soil and we're feeling hopeless. Because my tasty strawberries and more delicious and more nutrient dense are are a big disadvantage out there and are are not being rewarded by working with mother nature. And that makes a very uneven feel for a real organic grower. So let me ask you, thank you, that,
2: that's, that's very clear. Let me ask you about um, something that uh, the symposium is going to be talking a lot this year about regenerative. And regenerative has become, well, it's very quickly moved from kind of an exciting idea for Midwestern farmers to farm better to being a corporate Slam. Uh, you know, we, we just see every major corporate player in the food industry is now embracing the, the title of being a regenerative company. And if they were all telling the truth, I'd say, wonderful, we can go home and have a glass of wine because we just won. But I don't think we can do that. I think we have to keep working. So what are your thoughts about this? Uh, what, what do you say when Bear Monsanto and Syngenta... Uh, and Pepsi all say we're
0: regenerative. What what does that mean? I've seen that within the last 10 years. I've seen it begin. I've seen it. I've seen these companies trying to get the consumer excited about this. What the hell is it? What is it? What is biodynamic and what is regenerative ag? You know what it is to me? It's just a fashion, just a marketing tool. Yeah, there is things in biodynamic and regenerative that are good. But if you have an organic grower that sticks to Mother Nature and sticks to the original ruling, you're all that. You're already that. You regenerate your soil. You are taking care of not just your soil, the entire environment, your water, your resources around and the ones that are actually, actually making this a business or a activity. Your, your farm workers, your, the people buying it, it's each the growers. So don't come to me and say that I got to create You know, this regenerative, are you regenerative? Are you, what are you doing? You come to me and I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing that is regenerating our organic matter is increasing it. It's regenerating our nutrients in the soil by doing all these rotations, switching different uh, families, planting diversity, that's it. That's just not a label or a name that I'm coming up with the organic movement on the real organic that we have to call the real organic now because we need to go back to what Phil started and Dale in order for people to differentiate what organic and real organic is. So this is the real organic. This is the regenerative, the biodynamic. I'm not really hundred percent sure what that is. So I need to educate myself, but when you grow food in a natural way, it's all those new words that they're coming up with, all these new, this trend, these new ideas that they're trying to sell to the end consumer. I hope i answered answer your question, but just going back to Mother Nature, working within, in tune with your natural resources That's regenerative. That's not a label that I'm looking for. I'm trying to stick that on my clamshell so people understand that my strawberries are better. When people understand my story and the way we farm, they'll buy the strawberries because that's real. That's not fake. Nobody's paying me for that. It's coming out of me. It's coming out of my community. It's coming out of our hands. It's coming out of our 16 hour days. That's regenerative. That's real. And I want to just say to people that you've
2: pioneered the cardboard clamshell. <laughs> 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 and so have I on the other coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. And so there's,
0: there's many other ways that we There's many
2: can, ways yeah. that we work on this problem. We, we all have complicated problems and we participate in the problems and we must participate in the solutions.
0: Correct. Yeah. Right. It's a lot of challenges. But we just have to face them, try to solve them, work with them, and make it happen. Javier, I know that I know that you've got
2: you're stacked up here with business. Um, any last words you want to say? Anything I didn't ask that you go? Yeah, I, I need to say this.
0: <laughs> now I think it's just being part of uh, this movement uh, makes me really happy, and 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 I'm just proud of being part of it because I think it's the right thing to do all right thank you very much Javier Zamora de nada señor gracias por venir gracias
1: (laughs) thank you for listening to the real organic podcast we hope that you will subscribe tell your friends and leave us a rating and a review so that others can find us a video version of this interview is found at realorganicproject.org forward slash episode 97 Please join us next time when our guest is climate activist and author Paul Hawken, who will be the keynote speaker at our upcoming conference at EcoFarm on January 17th. To support this podcast and our certified farms, become a recurring donor at realorganicproject.org.